you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And now, Move the Sticks. Ten takeaways from week nine with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. A big takeaway podcast ready to go today, boys. We have a lot of ground to get to. Uh, I will just add one thing before we uh, we jump into this. I had a chance uh, doing the charge game this past weekend against the Packers before the game to talk to Tony Romo. And uh, ah. Romo said that he enjoyed the podcast where we showed footage of him as a high school basketball player. He said he hadn't seen those high school basketball highlights in quite some time. Uh, so he got a kick out of that. And he, and we had, we talked for about 15 minutes, Buck about not specializing in sports. He's got three boys. Uh, so he's with us. He's with the move the sticks message of get these kids to play multiple sports. Don't, don't specialize. So I thought that was fascinating. Love that. How about that? Tony Romo. 
tuning in. Yeah, you got some great conversations. We've gotten some, we got some Move the Sticks promo there from Tony Romo. We've gotten some Aftermath promo from Al Michaels. You've had some nice conversations in your, in your travels. This is good. The, this whole Chargers gig is just a, <laughs> it's just a PR campaign for me and the Move the Sticks uh, uh, brand here. That's what we're doing here on these uh, on these trips. But no, it was really cool. And and uh, when you when you when you have a bunch of guys working behind the scenes that put together those videos and hunt that stuff down, and uh, you know it's David Singer and Nabil Kent, Mark, all these guys that work on our projects. That's awesome. It's always cool when you get some good feedback from a guy like Tony Romo. So I wanted to throw that out to you guys before we get started. No, yeah, that is pretty cool. That's really it's really cool to acknowledge and that he tuned in. Like that's that's really chill. I like that. Last thing uh, I'll say before we get going in the uh, rankings, just a uh, just a quick check here uh, at the AP oh, polls gosh. and the coaches poll. If anyone could raise their hand, if their alma mater is the highest ranked team in this room as we speak. Are they in the top 25? Uh, no, well, we're so receiving the, the most oh, receiving oh. the most votes. Oh. No, receiving the most votes. No, no, no. Yes, the I'm Indiana not Hoosiers not are receiving not 44 not votes in the coaches poll. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Oh, man, it feels yeah. good. The coaches poll? Who cares could, about the coaches poll? They, Those guys even watch the games. Oh, okay. Did you did you wanted to go to the other one? Got it. Uh, well, in that case, uh, we are we are receiving oh gosh, uh, 27 votes ahead of Appalachian State's five. Um, Bucky, yeah, sorry, bud, not yet. Yeah, that will change after we beat South Carolina this week. Okay. All right, let's get let, – uh, Fine. This. Enough fine. with this. I just wanted to All check right. in. I'll start us off here. I mentioned I was at that Chargers game, and my takeaway from that one, they found a running game. I formation, Rivers under center, Derek Watt, Melvin Gordon, seven offensive linemen. Rivers on a fourth and goal, hands to Gordon, pushes into the end zone, touchdown, Chargers. Melvin Gordon with his second one-yard dive of the game. Chargers have found a running game. Melvin Gordon, short yardage, no problem. Drop your pads and power right through. Some good analysis. Yeah, there you go. You like that? You drop your pads. There was not a whole lot going on there. Just a little push inside. But that was a play where Anthony Lynn decided to go for it. Took points off the board on a field goal because yeah. there was a penalty. Uh, was fourth down. They could have kicked the field goal, make it a three-score game. Instead, they decide to really try and finish the football game. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, but, Buck, when you look at this team, Russell Kuhn coming back the last couple weeks, when you have a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle, that's made a big impact. Scott Questenberry, who's been forced into action at center, has played very well uh, the last couple weeks. And let's be honest. It's Melvin Gordon. The pre his preseason is over. He's got his legs underneath him now. You're starting to see a little bit of that 2018 version uh, that we saw. And you also you mix in Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson getting involved. This is kind of what we envisioned with this Chargers team before the season started. This is what we envisioned. I think one of the things that Anthony Lynn wanted to get back to doing when he got rid of Ken Winner. Wisenhunt, he wanted to run the football. If you know Anthony, and obviously his background as a running backs coach, he believes that the running game should be a key part of every game plan. And I think you saw a more concerted effort to play a little ground and pound ball. That'll take some of the pressure off Phillip Rivers. It will help the defense because they won't be on the field as much. And I think this was something that allowed them to really attack the Green Bay Packers where they were the most vulnerable Hats off to them for getting back to the running game. They will, go, they will need this running game going forward because it's going to be pivotal for them to be able to control the clock. And outside of the run game, DJ, we brought it up in the aftermath meeting. Mike Williams gets his first career 100-yard receiving game. Came at a good time, too. Those were some big-time explosive plays in big spots. 
Yeah, you mentioned it, big spots. I mean, this is a, a Packers team that goes down, gets a field goal, has a little bit of momentum back. Chargers get the ball back first play. They dial up a shot, and uh, and Mike Williams hauls it in. He's made a couple big plays the last couple weeks, and this one gets him over 100, I think, on just three catches. So he was very efficient in a lot of big pay play production. And also Hunter Henry being back in yeah. this offense. They had Hunter Henry was, has been down. Virgil Green has missed time. They've got those guys back now. And uh, now they help in the run game as well as Hunter Henry. I think he had 75 yards in the first half. Uh, so Keenan Allen didn't have to carry the load for this offense. And it's just, a, you know, it's nice to have that collection of weapons for Phillip Rivers, who played a very clean game, by the way, and not put the ball in harm's way. Uh, very efficient, run the football. And um, I thought it was a real clean performance all the way around. Yeah, first game is a, under new off, new offensive coordinator with Ken Wisden on fire. It seemed to go very efficiently. Yeah. No, I just really like no the doubt. way that they were more committed to running the ball. I think that opens up some of the big plays in the passing game. What you got, Buck? Yeah, the Packers were flat guys. They oh, did not yeah. play well. I mean, just to touch on the Packers real quick, not a great effort from them. They had no rhythm. Um, so that, that is what it is. We'll see if they get back on the horse next week. Go ahead, Buck. What's up next? Don't count the Steelers out. Colts at the 20. Hoyer in place of the injured Brissett in the gun. He's going to fake the handoff. He's going to throw the ball down the field. Intercepted, running up the field. And that is Minka Fitzpatrick, 25-30, 35-40. He's got nothing but green. Kiss him goodbye. Minka Fitzpatrick, a 97-yard touchdown return with the interception. How about this? You know, here's the thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now up to 4-4. Four and four. And in this game, I think there's reason for optimism because their young stars, their young defensive players are beginning to really step up and make plays. Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, with the pick six, comes on. We saw T.J. Watt step up and make some plays. You know they have Devin Bush. Their young core is going to give them a chance to kind of still stay afloat even though their offense is kind of scattershot without Ben Roethlisberger. I like what the Steelers are doing. I think they're making a more concerted effort to play a little more complimentary ball. I'm not saying that they're going to be world beaters, but I do think they will be a factor in the AFC playoff race, whether they get in as a wild card or not. Yeah, look, Rhett, real quick here. Bucky, I'm glad you mentioned this because I had written down Devin Bush has got 66 tackles already, two interceptions. Mika Fitzpatrick has four interceptions combined. They've got six. Last year, this Steelers team only picked off eight balls. So think about the center of your defense and what they've added. And I also want to throw in there, Mika Fitzpatrick, guys, the, the bonus money, the, the majority of his salary has already been picked up by the Miami Dolphins. Yes, they traded a first-round pick, but Mika Fitzpatrick's 22 years old. He's gonna got a chance to, to be somebody that can lead the league in interceptions every year that he plays. Impeccable character. He costs you next to nothing financially. Uh, I mean, this is going to turn out to be an unbelievable trade for the Pittsburgh Steelers, what they got there in Minka Fitzpatrick. Four interceptions in six games. And, I mean, it comes at such a big spot, yeah. too, with uh, Hoyer coming in there. He'd already thrown a touchdown pass. They were in the red zone, returns at 96 yards. I mean, that was that was a huge, again, big plays in big spots. I think we saw that uh, for Pittsburgh in this game. Jalen Samuels had a nice game out of the backfield. I think if you can get more of him in there when James Conner comes back as well, uh, that gives Mason Rudolph a higher degree uh, Um, of probability for success in that offense. You know, here's the thing. I'm looking at the stat at the bottom of our sheet. Uh, You guys are talking about the turnovers. The Steelers have 11 interceptions since acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, That's a ton of ball production. How about that? Um, And I think Eight last year. Like, the one thing about Minka Fitzpatrick, like, he was a great player. He was kind of like the Swiss Army knife at Alabama. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have gotten more value from him by just letting them settle in at being a safety. And sometimes – 
you want to do so many different things with young players that are talented that you end up getting average production everywhere. By letting them settle in and just be a really, really good free safety, they have been able to get kind of all-pro type performance. And the, the last thing I'll say on this game is this is another instance of 2019 in the NFL being the year of the backup quarterback. The Colts aren't in that game yeah. if Brian Hoyer doesn't come in there and give a truly more than serviceable effort. I mean, that was his first pass was a touchdown pass to Jack Doyle in this game. <laughs> um, and, you know, like he, he by the way, he also played for the Steelers in which he mm-hmm. threw a touchdown pass against the Colts a long time ago. Anyway, his, his career has taken an interesting journey. But th- that was this was another good instance of it. We're seeing it with Pittsburgh and Rudolph. And we've seen it now twice over with Indianapolis being able to turn to Brissett without luck and now being able to turn to Brian Hoyer. That's good roster management right there. I mean, that's a great point. No, no. Well, keep us going here, Rhett. All right, I will. Run game, Zach Ertz. Run game, Zach Ertz. Inside the 14 for a first down. Wentz in the gun. Wing to the near side. Slot to the far side. Howard stays to his left. Wentz. Looking for the football. He fakes. He looks. He steps up. He fires complete. And it is a touchdown. Zach Ertz. <laughs> I, I mean, that just seemed to be the formula for Carson Wentz in this offense when things are going well. They're running the ball well. How, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, both averaging over four yards of carry in this game. You throw in Ertz's 100-yard day, and outside of the run game and Ertz, the Eagles had only 124 yards of total offense. Those two aspects of it were huge. Zach Ertz had nine catches in this game. Eight of them either went for a first down or or a touchdown. I mean, they out first downed the Bears 26 to 10 in this game. I mean, they, they, they were clicking when they had to be. And I think early on, we saw the impact of having Deshaun Jackson back. There seemed to be more room in the middle of the field for Zach Ertz to operate. Then Jackson goes down again. So that's trouble uh, for the Eagles offense. They can't keep him healthy. They got no deep threat there. But they've been able to rely on the run game. And hey, look, I think, I, I think that's where they're going to find their success this season is with Zach Ertz in the middle of the field and with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders uh, on the ground. You know, it's funny, Red, you talk about the run game and Zach Ertz. Um, I took a close look at the Philadelphia Eagles last week, and one of the things that uh, I said, if this team really wants to make some hay in the NFC, they got to make a commitment to the running game. When you looked at them prior to this game, they were 3-1 and one when they had to had run 30 or more times in a game. By committing to the run, what they do is they take some of the pressure off of Carson Wentz. They also help their defense because their defense is one that can play from ahead. But, man, if they play too many snaps, if they play too many minutes, they kind of wear down. By running the ball, it gives them an opportunity to play less defense, which gives them an opportunity to win more games. And, and DJ, love to get your thought on this uh, this last piece of the Eagles' offensive success in this game. Uh, You can run off eight minutes and 14 seconds of the final eight minutes and 39 seconds on one drive that ends in a field goal to ice it. That's not four-minute offense. That's like double-time four-minute offense. That <laughs> If you are the Bears and you hang your hat on defense, that's embarrassing. you got to get off the field in that situation. Yeah, and this is, a, uh, you know, this is an Eagles team that if you look at their best moments this year, Green Bay, um, you look at yeah. this game. Um, what was the other big one they just had uh, it was on just, the road? It was uh, just last, last just, week. Yeah. 
can't think yeah, of. Yeah, it was the Bills. The they yeah. went and beat up the Bills. That's right. Yeah, so these are physical teams that they went up and just pulverized. So uh, that's their formula. We talk about it. We talk about finding your formulas. That is the formula for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I would also add, nobody – I mean, I, I had actually Bill Smith and Stats look this up for us, you know, how effective – the tight end screen has been this year. If you look at oh. some of the best offenses are really incorporating the tight end screen. And the Eagles do a beautiful job of getting that ball to Goddard because when you have him with his size, almost Gronk-esque, just mm-hmm. in terms of how big and strong mm-hmm. he is with that much real estate, he is a load uh, to get on the ground. So I like what they're doing offensively. You flip it over to the Bears. And I know, look, Mitchell Trubisky is, is going to be the punching bag. He's taking all the bullets right now. When I watch this tape, guys, yeah, he misses some throws. It's kind of difficult when Fletcher Cox is literally throwing your lineman into your lap. And I don't know who's making the line checks. I know they had Cody Whitehair at center previously. Now they've got James Daniels. I, you know, It's hard to say from the outside. I don't know if they've got that on the quarterback to make the line calls right. or if it's on the center. I just know when you watch this football game, several times they're sliding the wrong way and they're getting overload pressure, which they should be able to pick up. Rushing five when you've got five-man protection and rushing six, you've got six blockers, and there's there's tremendous uh, uh, miscommunication there because they're getting hit over and over again. And then when you look who he's got out in the route, every time it's third and seven, third and eight, they're running mirrored routes across the field. Everything's at the sticks. The, the, the Eagles had a beat on it. They just squat and sit on everything. So, you know, I think it's easy just, you know, blame the quarterback and move on. I, I think there's a little bit more to it with this uh, with this Bears offense right now. Yeah, look, it's one of the things that you, one of the challenges that you have when you have a young quarterback. Like, how can you give him enough without, like, kind of overloading his brain? And sometimes you do get those elementary type routes that you're, you're seeing from the Bears. But at some point, they're going to have to put the ball in his hands and they're going to have to see if he can play because they're going to have to take the training wheels off because his inability to really use all aspects of the offense is slowing the offense down. And really, I think the one thing that the Bears can do to help him. They need to run the ball, and they haven't been able to do it with Terry Cole and anybody else. Dave Montgomery. You know who? You know who needs to run the ball, Buck? Running game. You know who needs to run the ball? Mitchell Trubisky mm. needs yes. to run the ball. That's who needs to run um, the ball. If you got an offense that can't get going, let him go. Right, yeah. Let's have a let's have a game where he runs the ball 10, 12 times, and see if that doesn't try and get this offense going a little bit. Can I give a tease real quick? Is you know as a yeah as a television host, it's something I often do. Yeah, you're um, pro. So thirteen years, fourteen years in the business. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my take for the Mitchell Trubisky led Bears offense for when I give my take of the Deshaun Watson led Texans offense. <laughs> Can I leave that one there hanging for yeah. you as we Ooh. get to our next takeaway? Yeah. Okay, great. there you go. All right, I'll keep us I'll keep us going here. Let me get to the next takeaway here. The Dolphins they won the battle, but guys, they might have lost a war. Back to throw Fitzpatrick, looking, flips it back, shoulder, caught, touchdown! It's Devontae Parker, what a catch! He takes the back shoulder. He makes the tough catches, the easy ones he drops. Hey, listen, I'll take that one right there, Bob. That's a touchdown. (laughs) All right. Devontae's fourth of the year, fourth in five games. I was, I'll preface this by saying I was at the USC-Oregon game to watch Herbert and, uh, uh, Bucky, one of our buddies who's high up in the personnel department of the mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins, was there. He'll also be going to the uh, game this week between mm-hmm. Alabama and LSU. I'll, I'll let you guess where he's looking at. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is a team that has long, long corners. been uh, discussed as uh, using using that. Yeah, not corners. Uh, the whole T word and uh, trying to get that first overall pick. 
I commend the players on the field and Brian Flores, that coaching staff. They were com- they competed hard in this football game. They got after Sam Darnold. They made the Jets look awful after that first drive. They they really dominated a football game. Uh, so they avoid the winless season, and that is uh, that is to be commended with how they competed. But man, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think, enjoyed the uh, the outcome of that ball game because as of right now, Buck, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals would be on the clock. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you're excited about it. If you didn't. Miami Dolphins, you're excited because your team stuck together. They won. They 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 bought into the process and they were able to kind of get the rewards for their their efforts. However, man, you're sitting there. You want to be at the top of the board because we know at the top of the draft, the number one pick carries all the currency, all the weight, whether you pick or trade it off. But I can see why Brian Flores really put everything into winning because it's hard to go a significant amount of games without getting the dub. Hats off to him. And yeah, give it up. First career win as an NFL head coach. I think that's big. And you mentioned, well you mentioned they're competing. That 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 is not unique to this game. They've been, they've been close. They've been competing really hard for this. I mean, despite losing players, you know, mm-hmm. organizationally due to trades week after week after week, he keeps those guys ready to go. I think that's uh, that's impressive. And um, I, I think he can be a guy that can lead a turnaround there in Miami. Uh, can, can I can yeah. I ask you one? Can I ask you guys one question before we move on? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking through the box score here in this ballgame. Um, if any of you have ever heard of of uh, of these two players, let me know. Nick Needham uh, had a sack for the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, okay. Jamal Wiltz. Jamal Wiltz. J O M A L Wiltz. He had nine tackles. Um, mm. Yeah. No, I'd be honest with you guys. Uh, <laughs> not familiar with either with so, guy. So, it, I mean, I don't know yeah. who they're playing with, but hats off to them what the job they're doing. I mean, this Brian is all Flores. this is also a, a point where you have a chance to to talk about. Okay, so the Jets and the Dolphins are sitting at one and seven. This the, the Jets are the one team that even if they end up, you know, getting the number one pick, I mean, they've got some interesting choices there because they're not going to be. We don't. We assume at this point they're not going to be in the market for a quarterback, yeah. mm-hmm. so they could be in the Chase Young deal. And then that 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 first four picks with the Redskins grouped into this at at one and seven Ooh. right now as well. Uh, yeah. Depending on who's in the quarterback market and who isn't, who's in the Chase Young market, that's going to be pretty interesting. Very interesting. I do have to say this though, guys. But yeah. before you move on to the next one, um, I I watch the tape and nobody's a bigger Sam Darnold fan than I am. And I've been on the table for him and the way he finished up the year last year, left me encouraged. He's not playing well at all. And they stink. They stink up front. They're not very good on the outside. But when you watch this game, especially they had some, there were plays where he had time and he's not pulling the trigger. And I see a quarterback, when you see a quarterback whose head is all over the place, like he's trying to see the entire field. And it's like that, you know what they always say, you know, you try and see everything, you see nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was left with at Sam Darnold. Like he is not seeing the field. And, and that to me is is a concern because there is some major regression there, and that could be, uh, you know, kind of the um, the after effects of taking the beating that he's taken behind this terrible offensive line. But man, there were times in this game where he had time, um, and there's guys he's got to just pull the trigger. Now they're not wide open, but there's there's some space. You've got to see it and cut it loose. And uh, and I did not see that in this game. So uh, you know, if you're asking me as a Sam Darnold apologist, yeah. you know, am I worried? Am I concerned? Yes, I would say I've crossed over into that territory where I'm I'm legitimately concerned right now with how bad they are as a team. But even more so, uh, man, I hope that I hope that uh, they find a way to get his play turned around because this is not the same guy we saw at the end of the year. 
It's not the same guy, and I'm worried because of the giveaways. Nine giveaways in his last three yeah. games, too many turnovers at the position. Sam Darnold is old enough to have been able to heard that message and heeded that message. Just don't turn the ball over, but we'll see. Uh, it's, it's a unique situation uh, what he is in the middle of in New York, and we'll just see if they can kind of flip it around and get the organization back to trying to navigate the winning track. All right. All right what's next? The Chiefs are more than Mahomes. Second and 10, Chiefs at the 40 of the Vikings. No score. This is the second drive for the Chiefs. Vikes have had two three-and-outs. Again, a fake handoff. More at the right hash. Gunning it long. He wants Hill right side. Mm. Diving catch. Stretches for the end zone. Touchdown. Kansas City. It is a 40-yard bomb. Matt Moore to the cheetah who tracks it, catches it, and dives it into the end zone. You know, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I love Pat Mahomes and what Pat Mahomes has done, but I think the two weeks with him being out of the lineup has allowed us to see how talented this offense really is in Kansas City. The supporting cast that they have, they really elevate the play of the quarterback, and when you mix in a talented quarterback, I mean, you talk about going from good to great and great to excellent, and when I look at this Chiefs offense with Matt Moore, it's just illustrates the kind of weapons that he has at his disposal. Tyreek Hill, we heard on the radio call, taking it deep. Kenny Stills making, I mean, you have Nicole Hardiman and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and all these guys on the perimeter making plays. You saw Damian Williams go big with Shady McCoy still being available. And so when I look at this team, if they can continue to balance it out and really don't put everything on Pat Mahomes, they are going to be a hard out for opponents in the postseason. The play that Tyreek Hill made um, in the first half, the 40-yard touchdown, I mean, he dove but landed on his feet. I've never seen that before. And then gathered himself (laughs) enough to where he dove again to get into the end zone. Um, I mean, he he proves week in and week out what supreme athleticism can do in this game uh, because he has it on a different level than most folks here in the NFL. So, like, I, I am constantly amazed at watching that dude. Yeah, no, no doubt. Here's my takeaway. And Buck, you kind of mentioned it in the title here um, when you talk about Mahomes. I'm looking at it and I'm looking at this team with uh, with Matt Moore. Look at the last couple games for Matt Moore. Okay, this is against the Vikings and the Packers. Like these are not bad football teams. Um, This one, he's 25 of 35 for 275, a touchdown, no picks against Green Bay, 24 of 36, 267, two touchdowns, no picks. Those are really good games. Now, the way I would describe this Chiefs team, you look before Pat Mahomes, look at the success they were having with Alex Smith. Mm -hmm. This is a the the Chiefs with the coaching staff and the players is a luxury automobile. Yeah. It is a luxury automobile. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference is you get Pat Mahomes' ability. Now it's, it's, it's loaded. It's a luxury car that you've added all the extras. Pat Mahomes adds those extras. So instead of 275, those are 375. Instead of two touchdowns, those are four touchdowns. But I'm just getting to the point of the, the, the foundation yep. that's built without the quarterback is tremendous. And then Mahomes' ability takes it to a whole nother level. But I think... The, the nucleus they have in place, take the quarterback out of it. This is still a this is a nine, 10 win team. And then the quarterbacks, what can make this a, you know, a Super Bowl contender. Look, I, I thoroughly agree. I, I just love what they're beginning to do. And the defense is beginning to play better. This was a huge win for them without Pat Mahomes to knock off the Minnesota Vikings, even though it was at home. Unexpected, unexpected to see them play well and knock off a team that is really, really beginning to emerge in the NFC North. All right. Should I get us to the next takeaway here? Uh, You teased it. You might as well go pay it off. Here we go, man. 
The box score numbers do not tell the story of Deshaun Watson's brilliance. Watson waits. He's got the snap. He's back. He looks right. Fires end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Houston. DeAndre Hopkins with the touchdown catch. He will celebrate as the Texans go on top by a score of 25 to 3. Guys, uh, what we're seeing from Deshaun Watson is nothing short of magnificent. Mm. The Jaguars came into this game as the second best defense in terms of getting hits on quarterbacks. They got a couple of hits on him, but I will say this. I went back and looked at every play. 23 guys had a shot to tackle and or sack Deshaun Watson and missed. 23 guys had a shot to bring Deshaun Watson down. Sometimes it was multiple guys on one play. In fact, on the one sack they had, he got out of two sacks before eventually getting sacked. Um, On all the runs and passes that I watched, I found one play where the first guy in on Watson actually brought him down. One play. It was Miles Jack. And it was on a three-yard gain. There were other times where he slid, and that's credit to Deshaun Watson not taking unnecessary hits there. Um, that his elusiveness in the pocket, his awareness in the pocket, his ability to find a way to make a play at all costs—that um, both to his credit and to his detriment uh, at times, dealing with certain injuries throughout his career—is um, to be applauded. And on another day where Bears fans are bemoaning the choice Mm -hmm. to take Trubisky instead of Watson, they should also look at play design. Mm -mm. You touched on it a little bit there because Mm -hmm. they were extremely limited in pocket movement from what I saw with Trubisky. I mean, not not utilizing his athleticism Mm -hmm. in the least, especially in the first half of this game. Where you go and watch that game in London, Bill O'Brien had Watson moving all over the place play action they had guys that they had backfield movement all over the place that opened up the run game by the way as well Carlos Hyde Duke Johnson were terrific uh, in this game and without Laramie Tunsil they had a tremendous game plan in order to limit the amount of pressure that Deshaun Watson got limit the amount of hits that he was going to take and put him in positions where he could get out and see the field cleanly, make a clean read. I mean, he was getting the ball out of his hands quicker than I've seen in recent games in this one, too. And that was a lot of it due to quick play action, design, play design. We saw on the one-yard touchdown at Darren Fells, boom, quick, pull it out, boom, balls out of his hand in less than, less than one and a half seconds. I mean, that game plan and that performance by Deshaun Watson was terrific. Look, they're going to have to continue to do these things because the best way they can protect their offensive line is to get the ball out of their hands so they don't have to pass protect for long. Deshaun Watson has continued to grow and emerge as one of those magical players at this position. He did it in high school. He did it in college. He's doing it now in the pros. He always has a knack of leading his team to the title game. And so when I look at what they're doing and what they're bubbling up, Bill O'Brien with the running game, with the weapons that they have on the outside, Kenny Stills emerging as a dominant number three receiver to go with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. This is a team that is going to be a very problematic team to prepare for when you're another team because they do have so many weapons and the quarterback is kind of a wildcat wild card when it comes to his ability to run and pass inside and outside the pocket. Two things. Carlos Hyde with 160 rushing yards in this game. So they've got some balance in this offense, even without Laramie Tunsil in this ballgame. That's big. Uh, The other thing is talking about Deshaun Watson. He's the best 
in the grasp thrower that yes. I've ever evaluated. Yes. In other terms, in other words, people hanging out. You know, the you know what I compare them to totally different body types. But Ben Roethlisberger, you know, you know, having scouted mm-hmm. in that division for a long time and seeing guys always hanging on him and him still finding a way to get completions. Man, Deshaun Watson does the same thing on a on a much slender frame. Uh, but it's 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 uncanny. And we saw earlier this year one play unfortunately got blown dead when it shouldn't have been. I mean, if I'm Bill O'Brien, when I go talk to the officials before every game, I'm gonna be like, look, I know we protect quarterbacks, <laughs> but my guy's different. So yeah. when they get their hands on him, they talk that play about that is in not the broadcast. Over yeah. Because he makes unbelievable throws. So uh, that to me was another big uh, you know, takeaway from this ballgame. And Buck, I want you to get to your next point because I, I do want to try and tie in um, what we just said about Deshaun Watson with your next point because do I it. think there's a, there's a story there. Go ahead. Russell Wilson is clutch. First down and goal from the one. Again, now 34 seconds left. Hawks still have two timeouts left. And Russell's going to empty the backfield. He's going to send Carson wide to the left. A tight trip set to his right. Turner is one of those. Hollister is one of those. Now Carson back into the end zone. Play fake to Carson. Hollister is wide open in the right flat. He makes the catch. He dives in. Touchdown, Seahawks. From one yard out, Hollister, the man that broke free from that trip set, ran into the front corner, and he was wide open. You know, when you look at the Seattle Seahawks, it's easy to kind of just fall in love with all the things that Pete Carroll has always talked about, the defense, the running game. But now the Seahawks are officially Russell Wilson's team. Russell Wilson is the guy that makes this thing go. And this performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really kind of let everyone know what he is capable of doing when he has to put it on his right arm. Look, 29 of 43, 378 yards, five touchdowns. We saw the clutch plays. DJ, we talked about this when we were talking to Jay Keep. how it seems like Russell waits until the fourth quarter before he starts using his leg. When you watch this game, critical situations in the fourth quarter, up, out the door, Russell Wilson runs. He really understands how to save his best pitches for those closing opportunities, and that is what he's continued to do, and that's what he did against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When they needed him to run and make plays, that's when he did it. Otherwise, he stayed to the script deliver from the pocket and still has success. I, I'm going to just pull this back. I wanted to tie this together. Tie it up for us, baby. Sean Watson. For, for guys, so for me, look, I don't get an MVP vote. If I got an MVP vote, it's Russell Wilson, clearly number one, and Deshaun Watson, clearly number two, mm-hmm. which is exciting. I mean, when you watch the way these guys play, I don't think that you could take any other quarterbacks in the NFL, save maybe Mahomes, that you could put in the situations to do everything that's asked of them. In other words, I don't know what team asks more of their quarterbacks than when you look at Russell yep. Wilson and you look at Deshaun Watson for everything that they can do. And and in this game with Russell Wilson, I watched this game, Buck, there's 10 to 12 throws mm-hmm. that are just darts. I mean, I mean just ridiculous big-time throws from the pocket. Um, and then I, I give credit. Look, Marty, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer's got a lot of grief over his career as a play caller. I tip my cap because when I look at this team, they find stuff that works, and then they dress it up differently and run the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. They had some three-by-one stuff going where when they were seeing off-man coverage, they'd put Lockett by himself. They would run the three off. They could either run them on crosses or just get them vertically up the field, and they let him just drag shallow cross across the field, and he had all that real estate, and they got a bunch of, of big-time plays off that. Then they were able to find you know kind of a quick little wheel route um, that they were able to get with Lockett. They hit that twice. 
They hit DK Metcalf on a two-man route, max protection on that deep crosser for a touchdown. It's the exact same concept that they hit against the Rams uh, with Metcalf on a deep crosser. Like, I, I like when teams have an identity and they know who they are and what they do well and they just do it over and over again. That's what I see from the Seattle Seahawks. But, guys, the, all these debate shows, who's the MVP? There is no debate. Russell Wilson is the MVP. Uh, I mean, right that, if, you know what? And that's not a slight on anyone else. 22 that's in the touchdowns in one pick. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> no, I, look, I get that. Um, I'll roll with Deshaun Watson, though, at this point. Um, if we're if we're building a franchise right now, he's still on the on the rookie deal. He's so I'm, take, I'm taking Deshaun Watson. But uh, the other thing I'll say is we yeah. talked a lot about. He's number two for me, but yeah, they're great. We talked about DK Metcalf being, you know, maybe a, a one trick pony in terms of the route tree. I almost don't care anymore because if he just masters that deep over route, he can win with that thing all the time. I know you're going to show us that a bit later uh, in the aftermath as well. Yeah. I mean, look, it's funny. You he's talk- getting better, Buck. Yeah. He's getting better. They yeah. ran a curl, and you actually saw him settle a little bit. So he's getting, you know, you're starting to see some baby steps. Yeah. In the meantime, the guy's a threat to score from anywhere on the field. I'll take that. Look, I'll take it. I mean, he, he makes plays. And when I look at DK Metcalf, it's very similar to what Ted Ginn Jr. has been able to do in this league. It's a great sometimes, sometimes you just find a couple things that you do really, really well, and your coordinator only asks you to do those things. I think the Seattle Seahawks understand what DK Metcalf is they're not asking him to do something that he's not capable of doing and he's having a lot of success on those vertical routes keep throwing him to vertical routes until someone shows that they can slow it down and uh, can we yeah, go yeah ahead, one DJ. thing right yep. here real quick I, yep. I think that is i think buck oh my gosh this is ted ginn is the honey i shrunk the kids version of dk <laughs> metcalf yes. i mean that is exactly yes. who he is yes that's the same skill set it's just point. in this supersized body yeah. yeah that's who he is where's rick moranis where's yeah. that movie yeah no look that's perfect i think we end that conversation right there that's that's a perfect <laughs> punctuation to end it uh you want to take us to the next yeah raiders they found a winning formula jacobs who scored the raiders touchdown earlier Williams is off to the left. Now Moreau will come in tight to the right. Here's the toss, Jacobs. Cut back, goes in zone. Dives to the end zone for a Raider touchdown. And now he vaults into the black hole for the celebration. We keep saying it. Find your formula. And I think we've hit this a couple times on the Takeaway Podcast over the weeks. Uh, The Raiders, when they can run the football like this, they commit to it. They've got an offensive line, one of the few that gets push. Uh, In the NFL, they get a lot of push at the line of scrimmage, even without Rodney Hudson in this game. uh, They were still able to control the line of scrimmage, 120 yards for Jacobs. And what does that do? It makes life a lot easier on Derek Carr, who's in more clean pockets. He only got sacked one time. Um, And I thought one of the cleaner games, more efficient games there from Derek Carr, while not being passive, I think they, they had their shots, they took them. Look, I mean, this this is how the Raiders have to play. The Raiders have to play. I mean, they have a a small window that they that, that they can play in and win. And the reason they're able to win this way is because big physical offensive line. Josh Jacobs is a man shot with the ball in his hands. Derek Carr can play efficiently when the game is set up for him. And then they're able to kind of dominate possession so their defense isn't on the field. When the Raiders are able to kind of dictate the terms, that is when they're able to win games. If they're forced off of this track they have a tough time winning but John Gruden has certainly found that if we play this way we can win a number of games and that's why it's working for the Raiders right now uh guys a quick take on the Lions you know this is this has been a really tough 
season. They have been in just about every one of these games that they have played, and they have come up on the wrong side in some some really tight games. You go back to the Chiefs game, back to week one, and the game they tied that they should have won. Uh, they, here they have a shot to win it on the last play of the game and from like the two-yard line, and they can't quite get in. But Matthew Stafford is playing maybe as well as I've seen him play in the last five seasons or so. Um, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are underrated, one of the better wide receiver duos in football right now. Um, That's a club that I think still has some juice that could still have something to say in the wild card race if they can if they can start coming up on the right side of some of these games. Interesting. Every single one of their games, save one, has been a one-score. There game. it is. You know, win yep. or lose. They're they're in every game. The Chargers were the same boat until yes. this game against Green Bay. Every single one of their games has been one-score game. And and when it happens, when every game is contested like that, you end up winning some. You probably should lose. You end up right. losing some. You should probably win. And I think that's kind of been the case there uh, with the Lions. All right, let's keep let's keep it moving, Buck. What uh, what's your next one? Christian McCaffrey is the real MVP. Double tights, both on the right, shoulder to shoulder. McCaffrey right up the middle, running free, may score to the 40, to the 30, foot race, 20, to the 10-yard line. Yes, sir, he scores a touchdown. Foot speed, I mean, in the open field, just dragging for the last five yards, Adore Jackson into the end zone. Look, man, Christian McCaffrey has. Wait, really, what happened? I thought we were we just already talking settled about Russell it. Wilson. Was we already MVP. settled the MVP. Didn't what we? happened? Did we? Did we settle that? Bucks <laughs> like, no, no, no. I didn't get my candidate. I, I thought you were on board. And look, I, I like those guys, but I'm saying in terms of who is most valuable to their team, I think this year Christian McCaffrey has shown he is the most valuable member of the Carolina Panthers. He does everything for them, and I think the the thing that is. It's really encouraging for the Carolina Panthers is when you look at Christian McCaffrey, I know they took him eighth overall and they thought he would be an every down back, maybe. But I don't know if anyone could envision him dominating the league the way that he has been able to do it. He scored a touchdown, a scrimmage touchdown in six straight games against the Tennessee Titans. 24 carries, 146 yards. You heard the call on the big play. Chris McCaffrey has shown that he is able to do it all. And I think it's not a wild statement to say that He's the best running back in the league. I don't know if anybody can do what oh, he's been able think, to do. Yeah. Like this guy, inside, outside, catching it, running between the tackles, scoring touchdowns. He does everything for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, look, Buck, he's on pace for 1,762 rushing yards. That's good. He's on pace for 84 catches, 726 yards, and a total of 26 touchdowns. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Uh, yeah, he's having a huge, huge year. And I I take that back. Look, he belongs absolutely with what he's doing. He belongs in that discussion in the top two or three, no doubt, in the MVP race. I'll I'll still go Russell Wilson, but uh, McCaffrey's in that. He's in the discussion. And if you make the argument that no one asks more of their quarterbacks than the Seahawks do of Wilson and the Texans do of Watson, no one asks more of any running back than what the the Panthers and of any yeah. offense of what the Panthers are, are doing with Christian McCaffrey on a daily basis. I mean, like on a game by game basis, he'll get you a touchdown from in close from five yards or 10. And th- he's going to explode for one too. the explosive plays have been game changers for the Panthers offense in a season where they haven't necessarily had a dynamic pass game. I mean, and everyone knows the ball is going to McCaffrey, and still he's finding room in the run game. He's making guys miss, and that that open field speed apparently second only to a Dory Jackson, who caught up with him on that one long run. Yeah, that that shows crazy. you how long, how fast uh, Dory Jackson is. 
Uh, without question. All yeah. right, last one. This is from the Sunday night, the big Sunday night game here. The Ravens, uh, they outmuscle the Patriots. Sneed will break out wide to the right as they break the huddle on second and goal from the five. First and Roberts to the left. Gus Edwards behind Lamar Jackson in the pistol formation. Now Hurst in motion from left to right. Jackson with a play fake. Throws to the left side. Open is the tight end. Nick Boyle diving across the goal line for the touchdown. Nick Boyle had never had a touchdown in the National Football League, but the fifth-year man from Delaware has just scored to give the Ravens a 30-20 lead. Only fitting that the blocking tight end would catch a touchdown in this ball game because this game was all about the bigs. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson was outstanding. His threat as a runner, look, he ran for 61 yards and two touchdowns, but you can find all the other big runs from Mark Ingram where he went for a buck 15, where the presence of Lamar Jackson in the running game, having to account for him uh, was an issue for the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, you know, Buck, I've, I've, played in an offense that where we you know we're an option team and when we would see certain fronts bare fronts uh, you know cover zero looks we would check the option because what you do is you add another number to the mix mm -hmm. and then you saw in this game the option was big the zone read stuff was big but the way they're able to manipulate it you add another runner into the running game and the the, the uh, patriots never were able to figure this thing out no, never able to figure it out. And I mean, like it was problematic. And you could tell from the jump, the Baltimore Ravens had a great plan against the New England Patriots defense. And I think the thing that was really most impressive in the Ravens performance, look, I knew Lamar Jackson could run it and do some special things. But I think what we saw is when he commands so much attention, it really opens up the rest of the running game for everybody else. We saw Mark Ingram gut the Patriots. We saw Gus Edwards have some big runs. This Ravens team is one that is really, really difficult to prepare for in a short week. I just think it's, I just think what they do is so unique. They are challenged. I think people can catch up with them in the playoffs, but man, in the regular season, if you haven't seen them, you're not familiar with the, the option regame that they're using, it is a problem. We saw that the Patriots had a tough time defending them. Is it unique or is it what we saw from Army and Air Force over the weekend? I, I mean, kinda, you know, I, yeah. I, I, was, I was having that talk, that conversation. Well, with, I, you know, the stat, the stat, though, the stat, though, Rhett, but Bucky, you brought up a great point. I don't want to let that go real quick because yeah. you talked about the difference between the regular season and the postseason. And if you look at last year, look, I, I saw a, uh, you know, a Chargers team see this offense and then turn around and see it again, and I saw the difference. And if you look, I'm looking at the teams that they've played uh, this year, and you look at some of the games inside the division. Look, the Bengals game, 23-17 to 17 they won, but that's a close contested game. The Steelers game, 26-23. to 23. They get their doors blown off by the Browns. Like the teams that get more familiar with this offense do have a little bit better success. So I'm anxious to see. When you've played a team uh, like the Chiefs now, they lost to them, was a good game, 33-28, to 28, but potentially could see the Chiefs again. Now you beat the Patriots, you could see the Patriots again. Uh, so it's fascinating to me the difference between when you see these, this offense with Lamar Jackson the first time with when you see it the second time. It'll be interesting to see. Man, it's so fun to watch, and, but I think it does summon questions of long-term viability. Is this something that you can coach your defense to deal with on a weekly basis when you only have three or four or five days to prepare? Um, you know, I think we saw yeah, it's, it's probably worth asking the question, you know, what did the Chargers do, as you were mentioning, in the playoffs in order to stymie yeah. the, Ravens def the Ravens offense? So, um, you know... Is there a defense out there that's going to be able to figure this thing out either within a game plan over the course of a week or within an actual game 
and game plan up some adjustments to yeah. deal with it uh, when it's an offense that you don't see on a weekly basis. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's funny because I'm looking at it and it's really like a, like a I won't say disrespectfully, but it's a high school offense. It's an offense that you'll see on Friday nights in terms of the read option game, some of the things that they're doing. Um, but they put you in a bind because, DJ, you talked about playing in an option offense, and we know we've seen these games where – option teams have these explosions because you just can't figure out how your assignments are supposed to go, who has what, who's on the dive, who's on the pitch, who has the quarterback. And so they they do make it very, very complex and complicated for you. The challenge will be the Ravens right now have been one step ahead of the curve in terms of everybody. Like they're able to do these new wrinkles each and every week. But are they going to exhaust the playbook by the time they get to the regular season, what's going to be the big thing right. they can throw on people when they get into the playoffs to keep them off their scent? Yeah, and I'm not saying it's not viable long-term. I just think it's a question that you have to ask. It's, it's, it's funny, though, because I had this conversation with somebody. We're so used to seeing offensive coordinators get credit for their creativity sure. in the passing game. The Baltimore Ravens have decided to add the creativity to the running game, and I think that's something that we're not used yep. to seeing. Their wrinkles now happen in the run game as opposed to the pass game, and I think it's one of those things that defense coordinators aren't used to adjusting to. And DJ, on the flip side, for the Patriots, Patriots offensively, kind of something that we haven't really seen from them in recent Patriots history is just running out the same personnel group on every snap. I mean, they were 11 personnel 100% of the time. Ben Watson, Mohamed Sanu, and Julian Edelman all played every single snap in this game. Uh, and Philip Dorsett only came out for one play. So they were they were rolling those three wide outs, Watson, and then they did rotate the backs a little bit. And they went up-tempo. And I think you could see it affect the Ravens' defense. It did. Especially when they got down into deeper into some drives. Um, but it might have also affected the Patriots a little bit, too. I mean, you mentioned you saw it on the play before the Edelman fumble. Oh, yeah. He looked a little fatigued. He was gassed, and he looked – he had just had a big play, and he looked over to the sideline, and Buck – it's one of those moments where I'm just expecting him to tap his helmet, like, yeah. okay, give me a give blow me here. And he looked at the sideline, and you could kind of almost see him <laughs> say, nope, I'm, I'm going back out. So he kind of puts his head down and kind of jogs back to the huddle, gets the ball the next play, and then he fumbles. And I was like, that was a tired dude right there. Uh, he probably should have, have tapped out. He does not fumble. No, they they, yeah. they typically don't no, fumble. Right. We saw we saw the ball hit the ground more uh, on the Sunday night game than we typically have yeah. seen. And I do believe the Patriots did stumble onto something. Normally, when they get out of source, they do try and ramp up the tempo, tempo because yeah. if you can get a couple first downs, you get the team in a static look, you wear them out. And there were three consecutive series where the Patriots had the ball. They had two at the end of the first half and then yep. one to start it out. And we saw them make up ground. And so the pace allowed them to wear down the Ravens. But then the flip side of that is if you're going that fast and you're not able to convert, your defense is on the field. And in the first part of the They're game, right back out there. we saw the Ravens have a 14-play drive then maybe another 12-play drive, and you saw the wearing effects of this physical run game that they employ. Yeah, if, I, if I'm the New England Patriots right now, I'm legitimately concerned about my defense because this is two weeks in a row where you've got the ball just jammed down your throat. Um, I, I am concerned. I'm actually encouraged by the offense. Mohamed Sanu was built to play for the Patriots. He's <laughs> big, smart, tough, physical. I, was I mean, a, he's, a, he's a nice addition to that group. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. Buck, we've talked about this before, about my you know my kind of theory on where this team goes. And I think Nikhil Harry, you'll see mm -hmm. him get involved here. But when Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu, they're going to use those big guys 
guys to bludgeon people in the run game. And yep. then when they start to go up tempo like this, you want to match them with smaller guys. Uh, they're going to out physically in the passing game as well. I think that's where this offense is headed. They're going to use those guys as, as basically quasi tight ends. They, they, they get the, the benefit yep. of their physicality and toughness in the run game because they can block and then the size. And so you're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to play the wide receivers with linebackers and safeties? Are we going to put the little guys in? Eventually, we know how the Patriots kind of find themselves. The end of this month, November and December, we will see them kind of settle into a style, and that'll be the style that they employ in the playoffs, and you better have an answer for it. Hey, lastly, I know because I know we got to get out of here, but I, I just, since we brought up Sanu, can we go back to the 2012 draft just for a quick second here? Because I am wondering, this is a year where the Patriots took Dante Hightower in the first round. They took Chandler Jones in the first round. They had two first-round picks. Then they took Tavon Wilson, right? in the second round yeah. and then in the third Muhammad Sanu went 83rd overall to the Bengals about six picks later the Patriots took Jake Beckett uh, defensive end from Arkansas I'm wondering what the conversation was there inside that Patriots <laughs> draft room there's like all right we got a kid from Rutgers here at wide receiver that we really like I mean are we considering trading up to get him, I mean, like that would have been a, that would have been kind of interesting because you know that Belichick had his eye on, on a guy from Rutgers yeah God, yeah, that's a great so, call. All right. That's a great call. Good pull, Rhett. There good you pull. Go. Uh, anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? Beefy show today. Really good. Really good show right there. Rhett, uh, anything? No, man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I just I gave you my, my no, nugget. Good. I was, I was studying, the, the bucket? studying the rest of this 2012 draft class here. Rhett Ellison, a fourth-round pick, by the way, the Giants. Or the Vikings, rather. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, we've got a couple more episodes coming up later this week. I did mention at the top that I got a chance to go see Oregon and uh, Justin Herbert. So uh, we'll probably get to Thursday's episode. I'll have some thoughts on that and uh, and what the rest of this quarterback class looks like. We have a chance to preview that big matchup with Tua and Burrow, uh, LSU, and Alabama squaring off this week. So we've got a couple more episodes coming your way. Looking forward to those. Thank you guys for checking us out. Make sure you check out the videos, nfl.com slash MTS video. You can find that Romo video. Kent early on the music today. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll catch you next time right See here. See you guys. With the sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 